Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Hello, and welcome to the Spirited Actor Podcast with me, Tracy Moore. I was a casting director for film and TV and commercials for over 30 years. I transitioned to a celebrity acting coach after I cast a film, New Jersey Drive, with executive producer Spike Lee and director Nick Gomez. I auditioned every rapper from Biggie Smalls to Tupac. And I realized that rappers and musical artists, they needed help transitioning to acting. My clients consist of musical artists from Buster Rhymes to Eve, Missy Elliott, Angela Yee from The Breakfast Club, and Vanessa Simmons, to name a few. I also coach sports stars and host as well. I feel I have the best of both worlds. As a casting director, I know exactly what they're looking for. And as an acting coach, I can coach you to be remembered in that room. Now, I know. I know actors want to get the job. I get that. But being remembered by a casting director, that is powerful. And now it's time for meditation of the day. When someone tells me no, it doesn't mean I can't do it. It simply means I can't do it with them. One way to guarantee that you will lose family members, friends, is to pursue your dreams and achieve them. For some reason, and I have had firsthand experience with this, unfortunately, but I believe that we are a reminder, once again, that people are not pursuing their dreams or their goals. It doesn't necessarily mean that everybody can show up at the party, you guys. You can't take everybody with you. Not everybody has the mentality of change, growth, progression. Not everybody is is okay with fear. Some people succumb to fear. Some people sit in fear. Some people just fear fear. Not everybody can go. And who you want to take to the party are the ones that are going to have fun at your party, celebrate you at the party, celebrate your dreams, your aspirations, That's who you want to take to the party. You don't want to take a Debbie Downer. You don't want to take somebody who 
their energy is not in sync to success, abundance, prosperity, and love. Just because somebody said no doesn't mean you're supposed to do it with them. Today, I will experience life with everyone that says yes. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Ooh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Plus. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Oh, nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. The choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Before we get started, I'd like to remind everyone to look out for my new show, Inside the Black Box. I'll be co-hosting with the great Joe Morton. We'll be on Crackle Network real soon. I'll keep you posted. Welcome to the Spirited Actor Podcast with me, Tracy Moore. And I want you guys to, once again, as I always suggest, get whatever you need to document things, right? Paper, pen, your phone, whatever the deal is, because this show is going to be dynamic. I already know. There's, well, Howard grad. So I have to shout that out because that's my, my daughter's school as well, HU. And, you know, anytime Elsa gets a, gives us a referral, you know we are down. So I just want you all to stand up and put your hands together for Dallas Jackson, director, producer, writer extraordinaire. Yeah. I'm so excited to have you here, Dallas. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Um, yes. It's a pleasure to be here. It is, you know, I I am um, 
and starting my career out as a casting director. I love working with directors. I love, you know, I know times have changed for you in terms of the audition process. I just want to talk about a lot of things that actors are constantly talking about or coming you know, with me with questions pertaining to directors. So before we get into it, let's just talk about um, what inspired you. Um, I don't know which came first. I feel like writing came first, but what inspired you to be this multi-hyphenated creative being that you are? Well, there's a few things that that played a role in it. Um, I, I was a single child, so I spent a lot of time uh, by myself after school, mm-hmm. I was the kid, kid with the, the key around his neck, literally. And uh, so I watched a lot of movies. I used to go to Blockbuster and, and video oh. uh, box, if you remember uh, Blockbuster yes. stores, and rent like eight or nine movies. I was that kid and watched them on the weekends. And many of them, my mother was like, you, you don't need to be watching that. I liked horror movies. I liked sci-fi movies. And I liked action movies. So that was the things I grew up on. Um, and I grew up on comic books. You know, there was a big, mm-hmm. from Denver, Colorado, there was a big comic book store in, in Denver called Mile High Comics. And about 10 or 11 years old, uh, I'd catch the bus down to the comic book store, get my comics and come back uh-huh. home. Uh, and as I got older, I would ride my bike there. So, but um, it was the combination of the movies and the comics. And then somewhere along the line, when I was like 12 or 13, Hollywood Shuffle was playing. Uh, I think I was. I think I was twelve. Uh, Hollywood yeah. Shuffle was playing at like one theater in Denver, um, at the Ogden Theater, and my father took me to see it. And uh, I asked him if he would take me. He he said he would take me. Me and my father didn't go to the movies that much. This was probably like the one of two or three times I went to the movies with my father, and nice. uh, he laughed. And we. Enjoyed that movie together, and I, I rarely saw my father laugh in a theater or laugh at TV or anything. Um, he just did. He just wasn't that guy. He, like he was, he he wasn't mean or anything. He just didn't laugh out loud a lot. Right. And uh, so I remember I, that touched like a memory with me and the legend of Robert Townsend making that movie for thirty thousand dollars or whatever it was on his credit card, and me being able to see somebody that look like me or, you know, a little older, he looked like uh, the uncle, but looked accessible. And right. he was able to make a movie that my father laughed at. That was actually good. That dropped some gems in it. So all of these things kind of boiled into that moment where I was like, I want to do that. I want to write and direct. And so mm-hmm. that lit a spark. And then I would say later on for me, the big inspiration was seeing school days, uh, uh-huh. Spike Lee school, uh, school days. Yeah. And- in a different world. Both of those were kind of in tandem. They came out right after the other. I think School Days came first and then uh, A Different World came out like a year or two later. Mm-hmm. And um, that made me want to go to Howard. And that also enforced the film and TV thing for me. Just seeing people of me on, uh, like me on, on, on the screen and knowing there, there were people of color behind it. And so that culmination of things. And I didn't know me liking sci-fi and horror movies and action movies and comic books as a kid was, you know, geek culture. I just kind of thought it was <laughs> stuff I liked. Now there's a whole like, oh, you're a geek. Oh. It's cool to be a geek and all that. Well, it's like, yeah, that's the stuff I liked. I was already that. Um, but it was, to me, it was just, 
it was just my personal uh, things that kept me entertained when I was that kid home alone. Wow. And, you know, you mentioned Denver. Did you grow up in Denver? Were you born and yes. raised there? Yeah, born uh-huh. and raised. And, uh, you know, all my, you know about there, snow. my mother and father, <laughs> my mom, I know all about snow. Yes. Um, my grandmother's still there. She's 97. Um, yes. My father and mother are still there. My aunt and uncles mm. are still there. My cousins are still there. So, yeah, Denver. I, I left Denver when I was 17 to go to Howard. So mm. um, I left and went to D.C. for the first time and got dropped off. Wow. <laughs> and just like, you got this. You got this. And Good again, that was you. a trip I made with my father. My father and I mm. went. My mother and I said our goodbyes and I got on a plane with my father and I had a big trunk and took that I trunk, trunk to too. <laughs> Yeah, you right. got out the trunk and, yeah. um, and got dropped off in D.C. at Howard. And that was the first time I'd been on the East Coast, first time I'd been in D.C. And I ended up staying for four and a half years. Wow. So in terms of, you know, because we're talking about a time, especially when there weren't a lot of people of color as directors, black men, black and women are really on the come up now. But um, who who were some of the directors that became like, you know, either your mentors in your head or physical mentors for you? Um, Spielberg, definitely. Uh, you know, there was a, there was a, a lot of magic that Spielberg brought to me that I identified with, especially with E.T. and yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark and Jaws. But Jaws was a little like I couldn't Oof. watch it. I was young, so my, my parents wouldn't let me watch it. But later on, I would discover it. Um, so Spielberg, definitely because he was a writer first and that I, right. I, I recognized that. Um, James Cameron, definitely, mm, uh, with mm-hmm. Terminator, I, that's something I watched over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, watched Aliens over and over again, and that was a, that was James Cameron writing and directing that. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely Keenan, Ivory Waynes. Mm-hmm. You know, when I got to Howard, and Living Color was huge. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to get you, sucker, and mm. scary movie. We're all like, oh, okay, you can write and direct and still make super commercial movies. And um, Keenan, I think, turned a book for everybody because turned a chapter because, you know, he made the parody like a big commercial thing. And right. I'm, not, I'm not the parody writer, but mm-hmm. with Scary Movie 2 and Scary Movie 1 both opened up at like 30, 40 million. Like that was a big <laughs> moment for Black directors. Yeah, um, and I absolutely. Respect, respected that. And he was a writer and director. And then, uh, you know, I would say John Carpenter is a big. Oh, wow. I mean, John Carpenter, still to this day, I'm, I'm chasing him. You know, he did Halloween. Mm-hmm. He did. Yeah, I did Halloween with. Uh, I did a Halloween with the uh, Buster. Um, after okay. H2O, we did a Halloween. Yeah. 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 That's like Halloween six, I think. Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, ours original- was like 20, I think. I think it was like. We were up there when we did yeah, Halloween. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if there's 20, but there may be. I don't know. <laughs> the original Halloween with John Carpenter, who wrote and directed that movie. Mm-hmm. He also wrote uh, and directed Escape from New York. And 
Um, he did this movie, Big Trouble in Little China. And um, he did this movie, The Thing, with Kurt Russell and Keith David. And so he's like, he's one of the guys that kind of opened the door to me for like sci-fi and horror mm-hmm. uh, mashups. And he's just, he's just a great genre writer, director. So I would say, I would say, you know, Cameron Spielberg, yeah. uh, Carpenter, Keenan. And then also, you know, just the just the outside like influences of Robert and, and Spike Lee, mm. Robert Townsend. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because those I were the surprised. guys that we could look at and, and say mm-hmm. they're doing it and they were influences that like they were the big brothers paving the way. Exactly. And and in your process of becoming specifically a director, um, we're in 2022. And um, I often talk to my friends about budgets, workable budgets. Do you feel a change, a shift with the budgets that you get? Or um, um, if you approach investors, has there been a shift with for us as Black filmmakers? I think for me, yeah. I mean, I've been chasing this dream for 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I started out as a writer selling screenplays to studios. And Mm -hmm. that was an anomaly for me because I there weren't a lot of black writers selling scripts uh, in the late 90s and early 2000s. Um, And I was selling scripts for, you know, decent. I was making a living off of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the first four with my uh, I had a writing partner at the time, Ken Rance, who went to Howard with me. Mm -hmm. Uh, But. I say that to say that I would sell the screenplays. Getting the movie made was another problem another. Mm-hmm. because you, you'd you have to get Cube or Will or Eddie or at, mm-hmm. at one time Wesley was like, you yeah, one of the snipes maybe. But yeah. like, like five actors. And if you didn't get one of those five, you know, you nine out of ten, you weren't getting your movie made. Right. Um, and so selling and, rec, you know, the business recognized that there is an appetite for black films. And I think mm-hmm. things like waiting to excel and bad boys and, um, Independence day. Yeah. In those things. Yeah. Like not mm-hmm. the, I'm talking about like, kind of like this, the movies just made for black audience ah. by studios. Okay. Who we call, you know, mm-hmm. there right. wasn't, there was a recognition at studios that there there's, you know, we, there's a, there's a, there's money here for these movies. Yeah. Um, but I was writing genre movies like, you know, action comedies, action movies, uh, horror movies. And so, you know, you you they would buy them and then you need the name. So I say that to say that now um, there's been a bit of a shift. Now, studios aren't buying original scripts as much as they were before. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's more IP and comic books, but there is more opportunity, I think, for for filmmakers and writers of color because there's so many more platforms. Right. There's so many more uh, need for content by these platforms. They've recognized that, you know, black movies and TV shows do make money. You know, there's like, it's not like lightning in a bottle every once in a while. (laughs) Right. Um, And so for me, the budgets, they never going to give you, give us, the budgets that they're going to give them, mm-hmm. you know, but they are starting to give the opportunities. And to me, I always take advantage of the opportunity. Right. So 
my first movie that I shot for Blumhouse that I got to direct, Thriller, mm. they gave me a million dollars and was like, go make the slasher movie that I mm. read. And so, you know, or, or more so the question was, can you, can make, you this make this a million dollars? And you know, we're going to figure it out. Yep, absolutely. So I figured it out. The next budget was for my movie, Welcome to Sudden Death for Netflix and Universal. And that was five million. So oh. can you make an action movie that's contained for five million? Yeah, I'm gonna mm-hmm. figure it out. You know, we're gonna we're gonna we'll get it done. And the answer to that was you go to Canada where they give you more bang for your dollar. Exactly. Um, and then, you know, along the way, and I, you know, I did before my stuff, I was able to produce and write a couple movies for Master P. That was that was a master class for me, but that mm-hmm. was also figuring out how to shoot movies at a very low budget because Master P was kind of in that lane before Tyler Perry of making mm-hmm. these movies for a million dollars. So right. we shot we shot a movie called Uncle P that I wrote yeah. for him and we produced it was a family movie and he financed that independently and we shot that for a million. Uh, wow. And then he sold it to a studio. I mean, why, I, you know, I, he made, he, well, he put me in the forefront to go sell it, but he, he facilitated it so that we could go sell it. And we sold that to Beacon Pictures. So oh, I back wow. up to that because he was the guy that showed me how to make a movie at a low budget and you yeah. can still sell it. You know, we sold it to Beacon. He did a deal with Nickelodeon that led to Romeo's show. And that, for me, said, okay, you can make a movie at a budget. So when I got the opportunity mm-hmm. to the house, applying what I knew from Master P, I said, yeah, we can make this happen. And so right. on and so forth. You know, the last movie I just did, The, the System, the system the biggest answer. budget that I've had, but it was, most of that went to the cast and it was still a contained movie. We shot it in a real prison. I was going to ask you with the system because the talent, you know, Tyrese and Jeremy Pivens, like you start to add up those salaries and, you know, and they eat away at that budget. I used to work with Carl Weber as a producing partner and our budgets were under a million, but we did four films under a million and we attracted great talent like Vanessa Calloway-Bell, you know, um, Drew Sidora, Christian Keys, so many wonderful, wonderful talents. And and so, you know, my challenge as a producer is like at that time was, you know, we have the content with Carl's reputation. And now I think he's 26 New York Times bestselling author. And in transitioning all these books to films, it was like, well, we have this product. We want to get great talent too. How do we get this talent? But we don't have a budget to afford them, you mm-hmm. know? And so in, in a case like that, it's either a favorite nation's call. And for those of you who don't know the terminology favorite nation, it means that everyone gets paid the same amount mm-hmm. or we offered a salary in addition to, they have production companies they could produce, come on as a producing partner as well. Um, mm-hmm. because when I saw the system, the trailer, I was like, oh my God, you got such an amazing cast. The production value looked like a 30, $40 million film. So it was just like, you know, kudos to you, you know, for being able to pull the talent. It's a reflection of, of the writing, the director, the director and producer. When I think when, you know, actors of a certain salary requirements agree 
to do it for, um, you know, a cut in their salary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, you know, you're going to get the talent that is worthy of the script. Mm -hmm. And I've learned that it's all on the page first and then, and then whatever goes out into the universe will attract it. So whatever you put on that page is going to either hurt or help you. Nine out of 10, if you're going to, if it's going to get made, it's, it's helping. Yes. Um, Yes. So, you know, I've gotten better and better as a writer and there's always room to grow. Mm-hmm. But I've learned that if you write something that you really believe in and put your heart into, somebody else will obtain that message and be able to join the party, if you will, or yeah. at least identify with what you're trying to say and also want to help communicate that. And so that was particularly true with the system. With my first movie, well, the first movie I directed, but you know, I'll go back to the first movie, Uncle P, which was like mm-hmm. me in grad school. Master PB in my grad school, you know, I learned that you could get Cheech to show up for 10 G's on the day, you know, Mm -hmm. or you could get Hulk Hogan to make a cameo for like 40 grand, you know? So I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. well, there's people that will come out. Now this was a kid's movie. So you could get fun people to show up, you know, Mm -hmm. Master P got Mario, the R&B singer, and he was hot then to show up and he gave him 20 G's, you know, just to play a scene in the movie. So I was like, ah, there's things that you can do. Little cherries you can drop. Now, when I did the thriller for Blumhouse, I had RZA in that movie and Michael Mm -hmm. T. Williamson. And uh, I got Michael T. because we worked on a show called Rebel together with John John Singleton. And so Mm -hmm. that was a favor for Michael T. But for for RZA on that first movie I did, even though we had a relationship, you know, I made him an executive producer on the movie. I gave him the soundtrack, meaning he mm-hmm. can put the soundtrack out through his label and own it. Nice. And also uh, had a little money for the music and the score, and I gave that to him so he could score the wow. movie. So, Brilliant. you know, you give you give certain names incentives to show up on the system, you know, with Tyrese and Terrence and Jeremy. Those guys got paid. They got some money. But it would it wasn't like what they would get for Universal or Sony. Right. Or MGM or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they got paid enough to come play. And then also they believed in the script. So it was like, right. OK, we're doing something that's actually quality. At least they were, were hoping that it would turn out to be, which that was on me to make sure that that happened. Yeah. It was. I mean, you know, as a casting director, you know, not only are we selling talent, but, in, you know, in talking to name talent, we're a part of it is selling the script. Because one of the things that I've learned in like over 30 years of casting is that people want to work. It's mm-hmm. a good script. People will work because <laughs> even even a title credit is a negotiation and that could be something right So Mm -hmm. I applaud you for that in terms of, you know, because I know, like I said, that is a reflection of your art, your craft. I want to talk about, because now that we're in this Zoom age and I, and I come from live auditions and live casting, Mm -hmm. um, I've cast for Spike. I've been really blessed in my career. Um, now that we're in this Zoom. Mm -hmm. And I only have five minutes. See how fast that flew by. Can you please give these actors some tips and insights? Because one of the things that I miss 
from live auditions is being able to extract personality from the actors. And so what I stress to them is putting their personality into the slate. Do you like your name? Do you like where you live? Do you like your height? Like show us something that's not, you know, just hokey, but that's authentically you. But are there any challenges or any suggestions that you have for actors in this Zoom age that will capture your attention from aspiring and working actors? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because it 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 creates a challenge for the actor to have to become memorable and right. sell yourself, which is not unlike being in the room. You know, when I had Lady of Rage, the hip hop artist, come uh, audition for me on Thriller mm-hmm. to play this deranged mom. Part of the 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 read was getting choked by her son. And so when a lot of actresses would come in, they would read it and pretend like they were getting choked. Right. You know, they, you know, and Rage came in and was told the my casting person on the movie, uh, Kim Harden. She said, when it gets to this, yeah, when uh, Kim's great. She said, when it gets to this part, choke me. And Kim was like, you sure? She was like, yeah, choke the, choke, choke the hell out of me. (laughs) And she read her part. And when it was time to get choked, Kim Kim choked her. Mm-hmm. It's great because she let all this kind of stuff out. In it, and I was like, oh, she got the job. Because wow. that was so creative to me. Like she w- went there. And I think now with Zoom, what's fantastic is you can actually go a step further because you're in your home or you're in yeah. your, your workshop or you're in your place. And Get a get a gun and you can have a prop and you can pretend like you're doing something or you can be in the moment from your own little production studio or or and so I think it gives you an opportunity. I had somebody audition for me um on a Zoom, or you know, they were they sent in their self-tape to, to watch on, on a link, and they were like put themselves in a scene in the movie, like you know. They were in the environment of the movie. Right, right. And right. that person got the job because I was like, that's creative. And they really went for it as opposed to just, OK, I'm I'm Chelsea and I'm going to read for the part of Aaron. Scene, you know, and they're just yeah. reading to the screen. Yeah. You know, yeah, there's a real opportunity to get creative now because you're 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 in a place of comfort almost. You're not going out right. and reading right. in some room. In front so, of a stranger. Yeah. So go for it. You know, go go all out. You know, the worst thing that could happen is they don't hire you. Well, that might happen anyway. But right. at least you'll be memorable. And, and you when, might actually have a chance to have a shot if you really put a little extra into it, which I think is an advantage of, of the Zoom uh, generation. I do, too. I just think that one of the things that all casting directors, at least 90 percent of them, there is a structure, you know, in terms of, um, you know, when we say name, location and height, it's it is for your slate. But it's also there are things we get out of it. Do you remember you know what you were supposed to put the order in which you're supposed to put listening is important. Um, 
You know, mm-hmm. um, they require, I think the only, I think in terms of, um, because there's another side of it that can be really distracting. Well, um, I just finished with Elsa. We were casting this uh, Aretha Franklin musical tour, 80 cities. And, you know, people were auditioning. One woman looked like she was in a sub um, submarine. Another man was in the street, you know, um, shooting and people walking behind. Like the other end could get real far out. So we try uh-huh. to like wrangle actors in and say, yes, be creative. But also there is a process that most casting directors are going to attach to that breakdown or those sides and say, your slate has to be this. Because I, I again, I come from live and I need to know what your personality is because we have to work with you on a set and uh-huh. we have to know your work ethic. And if you're going to show up on time, all of those things play into it as well. And for me, that's what I feel like I'm, kind of missing unless we're in callbacks because I'm not going to get it in self-tape and and we don't have real conversations anymore with these actors. Um, I mean, look, I'm, I, of course, miss being in the room with an actor reading. Yes, yeah. I, that's, that to me, I love the process of that. Me too. Um, but I also don't mind watching actors on on Zoom or self-tape, if they're making it interesting, and that's something you, you have to do anyway. The guy yes. that's running around out in the street, I'm like, bro, you're not, you, 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 you know, look, yeah. that's why I said, if you're going to do it, do it in safety and, and yeah. conditions yeah. that are uh, worthy of sound and quality yes. and people being able to see your ability, not the fact that you're running down the street uh, <laughs> acting like you're in an action movie. But or, or just including the whole neighborhood. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, but, but I, I look, there's pros and cons either yeah. way. But I think as an actor, the most important thing is to stand out and be creative and memorable. Exactly. Well, we're going to take that tip. And ladies and gentlemen, hold on to that. So we're going to come back with the Spirited Actor podcast with me, Tracy Moore, where we are going to still be blessed with Dallas Jackson's presence. And we're going to have two actors ask him some questions, okay? So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Ooh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Hmm, 
How's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Oh, nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. The choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Welcome back to the Spirited Actor Podcast with me, Tracy Moore, and we are still blessed to have director, writer, producer, Dallas Jackson with us. So stay tuned. You are blessed. Okay, I'm going to throw it to Elsa Lathan. Elsa is going to tell us who our uh, questions are from. Yes, today we have two callers. We have Miss Dawn Cole from New Jersey. And go ahead, Dawn, ask your question. Hi, um, my question is, how many takes do you give your actors? Oh, that's a good question. Okay, I give my actors three takes because I got to keep it moving. So I give them two from the script and I give them one for themselves, meaning... Give me two, that's the lines that are on the page, and go on and have fun with the third one. And you'll be surprised mm-hmm. how good that third one is after they've done the two reading. Because there's something inside of an actor that always wants to, you know, try something or, you know, add a little zing to it, which I allow regardless. But the third one, I, I take the reins off and say, have fun with it. And there's uh, that's just been something that I learned some years ago. And um, it might have been something Singleton, uh, you know, uh, I gleaned from him. But you you give actors a little bit of freedom and say you can play on this third one and they'll they'll deliver for you. So mm. and you'll be surprised. You might get a line. You might get a take. You might get a reaction. A lot of the times in the edit, it's that third take for me that ends up on the screen. Got it. That was great. That was okay. great. Thank you, Dawn. All right. So next up, we have Miss Chelsea DeLine, um, also from New Jersey, coincidentally. Hi, Dallas. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm well. Um, my question is about the movie, The System. Um, like as a writer, obviously, you have a character who is a veteran who then comes home to pretty much be an informant and um, tell about what's happening in the jail. So I just kind of wanted to ask, um, as a viewer, what is the message that you are trying to convey that a veteran comes home, isn't able to provide for his daughter, but then ends up in jail? Well, if you see the movie, uh, you'll realize that he is a, a veteran that's come home and has been uh, denied health care. He's also been denied uh, any assistance uh, in helping his daughter's medical bills. He's also been denied any kind of income from his service as a veteran. So essentially he's paid his uh, dues to this country and this country has not taken care of him or his family. 
So he's forced into a life of crime, if you will, in order to pay for his daughter's mounting medical bills. Um, He's sent inside of a private prison that has been rumored to be corrupt. So it is not that he's sent in jail to inform. He's sent in jail to gather information from this prison that has been uh, deemed something is going on inside that that is not right. And the inspiration for this movie was based upon the private prison system and uh, reports of things that have been happening inside the private prison system that violate human rights extremely. So that is the justification of the character in that he's a soldier who's used to going into war and used to going into battle. And he's basically being sent in to battle a different kind of system, which is one inside this country that abuses black and brown people. Great questions. Thank you, Chelsea. Thank you, Elsa. And thank you, Dawn. Um, I did want to just add to that, Dallas, that um, a friend of mine years ago was running for councilwoman in Brooklyn, and they were talking about privatizing prisons. And I said, well, how do they know how many prisons to build? Because they were you know, looking for investors and all of this. She said eighth grade test scores of African-American boys and brown boys determine how many prisons they're going to build. They give, up, they give up at eight years old. Well, here's the thing. And then we can move on. You know, there's more prisons being built in this country than colleges. Most of these prisons now have been taken over by the private sector. It used to be states that regulated what happened in prisons and actually monitored any kind of wrongdoing. And that was poor then. But now with the privatization of prisons, they're now run by corporations and the corporations whole bottom line is to have a profit. If you have a prison and you don't have bodies inside, you can't turn a profit. Every body is a form of a product. And so where do you go get bodies to fill these prisons? From black and brown communities. And so the prison pipeline is real because they need bodies inside these prisons to justify profit. Right. So the movie, the system is touching on that system in no pun intended in this country of private prisons that are now actually creating the pipeline, not only for black and brown bodies, but for human rights violations in modern day slavery, free labor uh, inside. And the movie's inspiration came from an article I read about prisoners being made to fight to the death in a private prison in upstate New York. Unbelievable. Well, that's another conversation that we can have too, because that's very engaging. But Thank you, ladies. Thank you, Elsa. Thank, Thank you, you ladies. Again, Dallas. Fantastic questions. Yes. And we're going to come right back to the Spirited Actor podcast with me, Tracy Moore, for class in session. Get ready. Welcome back to the Spirited Actor podcast with me, Tracy Moore, and our amazing guest, director, writer, producer, Dallas Jackson, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to keep clapping for you, Dallas. I'll I'll keep clapping too. I'll keep clapping. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because when I meet new people, it just, um, and your energy is so great. I I just really, you know, I I love bringing you, you on, sharing, and so giving and generous. So I love that. Um, So this is, yeah. 
And this is going to be fun now because you're going to um, actually have a scene performed by our wonderful Spirited Actor alumni. And we have the Spirited Actor who are adults, and then we have the Spirited Child Teen class. And so I teach children and teenagers as well. And that's where Zachary is from. So What's up, Zach? Uh, <laughs> I'm How old are you? It- Okay. I'm 12. I'm 12. Okay. Nice. Okay. And he's one of our students on Saturday. And um, he's also a writer as well, Dallas. He wrote an amazing scene for two of his fellow thespians in class on Saturday. Wonderful work. Fantastic. I started creative writing when I was your age, Zach, so stay with it. Great advice, Zachary. You better take that and run. Okay, so I'm going to um, throw it to Elsa. She's going to introduce you to Spirit Actor Alumni. And then they're just going to, are you reading the narrative, Elsa? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so she's reading the narrative. Okay, so on you, Elsa. All right. Hey, Dallas, thank you again for being on. Absolutely. And so today in class and session, we have two of our Spirited Actor Alumni. And we have a veteran and a newcomer today. We have Mr. Sam Bryce back with us today. What's up, Sam? How are you? And, well, we, have Mr. and we have Mr. Zachary Nelson. Zach! <laughs> we go back. <laughs> yeah, right, a whole five back. minutes. <laughs> All right, so today's scene is uh, written by Dana Keel, entitled uh, Wine and Cheese Soup. Interior, takeout, excuse me, interior, target, morning. Ray Jr. and Ray Sr. head down the aisle with shopping carts. Okay, son. Rain clang, rain clang is heard from the shopping cart as it curls right, then goes straight. One wheel twists as it rolls. What the? Wait, let me just go grab another one. Father and son go back and get grab another. They are almost at the end of the aisle when they hear, Swish kachang, swish kachang. Now the back two wheels are st- have started sticking and then releasing. Again? What? That is not a big deal. Let's just go, let's just keep walking. Yeah, Wait right. to this bunch. Okay, you're right. Look, you head for the cheese, I'll head for the wine. They continue walking. Ray Jr. turns to head for the cheese. Swish kachang, swish kachang. Rain clang. What the f- Ray Jr. just looks at the wheels. So Ray Sr. Return, uh, returns the cart and grabs a new one. As he returns, he meets Ray Jr. with a handful of uh, charcuterie type cheeses. Uh, that was fast, huh? Mom called me. She said we only have 15 minutes to get back. Chug, swish, ka-chug, rang, clang, rang, clang, ba-bump, bump, bump, ba-bump, bump, bump. Ray Sr. and Ray Jr. just look at each other. What is happening right now? Ray's phone vibrates and he reads a text. Uh, Your mother said that she needs a wine opener and she says that the guests are 10 minutes away. So I'm waiting wait right here. Ray, Ray Sr. disappears and returns with yet another cart. There's the wine openers. And uh, what do you know what they look like, minor? 
You and mom drank wine. I've seen you guys open up a bottle. Ray Jr. tosses the wine opener into the cart. Okay, last stop. Four cases of wine. He pushes the cart, and it won't budge. Ray Jr. just tries, and he gets nothing. God, why? God is not going to help us buy wine, Dad. Just then, a Target worker walks by with an empty handcart. Hey, young lady, do you want to save a marriage today? Can we use that? Please. Sure. Ray Jr. and Ray Sr. load the four cases of wine onto the handcart. When Ray's phone rings, he answers with. Jazz, honey, I'm sorry. We're coming. He hangs up quickly and they run to the register with the handcart. Exterior, day, parking lot. Ray Sr. and Ray Jr. throw the cases in the trunk and Ray phones ring again. Jazz, um, I'm on the way. Ray, don't hang up. The caterers brought wine. It was a bonus with what we spent. They forgot to call. Scene. All right. So, Dallas, I'm going to throw it to you. Whatever feedback, uh, insight you want to give them, it's up to you. That was great. I think you guys did a nice job. We're all, you know, kind of on separate spaces. I definitely felt the connection with father and son. I would suggest that for other scenes like this, you get some scenes with more dialogue for the characters because I wanted to see more father-son interaction because I felt like they they had something Mm -hmm. um, more to share with each other just dialogue-wise. That that would be fun. So I would just say for for future scenes, I would do more dialogue heavy, less uh, narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought they were both great, and uh, the reactions as well off of each other um, is part of the fun because you know acting is ninety uh, percent reaction. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're reacting off of somebody, whether it's dialogue or just what's happening in the circumstances. And so dad was really good with that. You know, dad was given a lot of, uh, I felt like he was definitely in that grocery store and I definitely felt like the guys are father and son. So it was fun. I want to see more with these two and, and, and give them more to, to do with each other dialogue wise. Well, what we like to do is we always like to send our guests the photo and resume of class and session so that you have that for your files um, so Elsa will follow up with that. Um, and, you know, you can always tap into the spirited actors, Dallas. You have an open door to our plethora of talent that we have. And we're well, proud some of great it. talent. Nice work, guys. I enjoyed it. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Felt Thank like you, a, Sam. Felt like a fun, a fun sitcom on the, on the make. <laughs> Well, thank you, Sam. Thank you, Zachary. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for Dallas Jackson. Yay! And we are all going to go out and support the system. So you guys find the system and we are going to support this film and all the films that Dallas does. Thank you. Yes, definitely. Thank you. Um, So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. (laughs) we're going to be back on the spirited actor podcast with me, Tracy Moore, and I'm going to give you guys some love.
That's what I'm going to do. Love. And now it's time to give love. When Inside the Black Box premiered last February 2021, I was truly excited. Um, I felt like after 18 years of, you know, the inception of the idea and, you know, conversations and pitching and all the way up to Spruce Henry, all the way up to Joe Morton and boom, Crackle TV. Now, I have to shout out Dr. Dave because he had a vision. He saw the vision and he believed in that vision, right? And supported that vision um, by investing in the vision. I had approached prior to Spruce um, Cassidy Arkins, who's a good friend of mine. She's the one that introduced me to Spruce. Cassidy was very convinced that this was going to be my final stop and my only stop of pitching. And I'm glad that she was right. However, during my journey, what I realized is that when we were sitting in the premiere at the Soho house and, you know, I had miles there and, you know, we had friends and it was just such a great night that I was excited and I was happy. But what I realized is that all of, all of like, all of the truth of how I was feeling emotionally, it happened during the journey because I was convinced that somehow, some way the show was going to happen. And that was the end of the dream. And let's say the beginning of the dream. But what I do know is that the joy is in the journey. That's what I know for sure, that the joy is in the journey, because when you know that you know that you know, and I knew inside the black box was going to happen. The joy was in the pitching and the yeses and the noes and all of this. The joy is in your journey. Don't forget to look out for us on our new show, Inside the Black Box. My co-host will be Joe the Legend Morton. It's going to be the Spirited Actor podcast on steroids. We'll be streaming on the Crackle Network. I'll keep you posted. Thank you for joining us on the Spirited Actor podcast with me, Tracy Moore. I look forward to our next Spirited podcast. Thank you. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 